Hi, this is another installment of the Boogie Broadcast. Today I got my good friend Ryan in the house. Isaiah's leaving laughing. He can't even take it <laughs> that serious. That didn't take long. <laughs> that's a small, that's, that's a lightweight introduction. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Isaiah's having a good time. All right, Ryan, tell everybody kind of like who you are or what you are. Mm, I'm Ryan Billiot, uh, Southeast Louisiana, proud of it. United Home of Nation. <laughs> You're from the West Bank, though, yeah, right? Yeah, that's why I said that out. You know, yeah. nomination, which is uh, just natives of Louisiana. You can trace your heritage back to Louisiana for a long, long ways. Hmm. You know, so we got a bunch of that mixed in. West Bank originally uh, stayed on the North Shore of New Orleans in Folsom from 13 to 17, and then been just drifting and banging on cars and shit ever since. You think have have you is uh, your car culture originated from New Orleans, or you think it originated from? like-minded like friends and things like that uh no i it's definitely uh like i get it from i know exactly where i get i get from when i was a young kid everybody in an old neighborhood having something you know with loud pipes and drag racing and you know and all that kind of stuff and they also had nothing but cruise nights all around shane will tell you the old days of the west bank uh buzz broiler chelsea's all them dudes used to have rallies and like it my dad worked offshore so if my dad was offshore we'd sneak out and get in trouble because we ride our bikes to buzz brawler to the cruise night because my dad was offshore he couldn't bring us to go see it but i was like fuck dad i'm going (laughs) yeah you just go out there and just go check it out so So that's where it came from that and then also too is the mini trucking thing i come along when the mini trucking thing yeah which came from the vans of the 70s but i was born in 78 so I come along when that was phasing out, and the van dudes phased into pickup trucks, mini trucks. So, so I knew where all Marrero. Wait, you you were in that transition between the vans and the and the mini trucks? Yeah, I grew up in vans, man. When I was a young kid, my dad had brown van. Well, he had a green van first, then he had brown van with shag carpet and shit in it. Oh, That's what my mom. mom drove, and then my dad had a bike. That was it. That was all we had. That's all you had. Yeah. You, wait, your dad just well, I mean, had that's a bike when I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not the vans that sell candy. Not no, the vans that sell the candy. Like but they had the candy paint jobs, right? Well, yeah, it did. The stripes on. Well, the green one was solid green, but the brown one had all the fake wood green with the stripes and the, you know what I mean? Like, when the, yeah, whenever, like, in the, I, I guess in the later 70s or really more early 80s was when the, the dealerships and the manufacturers caught on to what they were doing in the customer on the vans. Mm-hmm. So they started producing, like, what you know as, like, Regency packages and choo-choo customs. And yeah. that's where all of them dudes came along. From. You know, Southern Comfort was Southern Comfort was a big one, <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, but that was, like, yeah. a, in the 80s and the 90s, and they're mm-hmm. still doing it. That's still a big thing. I noticed a lot of guys. That's where all that came from. I know a lot of guys and girls that buy way more performance packages and, and, and bells and whistle packages than they ever have. You know, they got like at least 17 sub-models of a Charger. Yeah, right. You know, right. so like the people aren't... And yeah, then there's still... a whole trip too. And the, the, st- still people though, that there's still people out there though that are doing their own thing. And that's kind of what we, we talked about earlier today, how people like you and I, we kind of do our all of our own stuff, all this custom stuff, Definitely. you know? And I think, what are you talking about, where it originated from... Like, you know, did your dad do a lot of that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. My, well, my, you know, my dad was one of them guys that just grew up dirt poor, didn't have shit, so they yeah. seen value in everything. You know what I mean? No matter. Yeah. <clears throat> and like my dad, and him, I always say, like over the past several years, I've said my dad, and even just some other dudes, way more in- influential, Mister Jerry Loop, and all of them guys. Them dudes, they were rat ride before. I mean, before rat ride was even rat ride and all of that. You know what I mean? That, yeah. And, but the true essence of Rat Rod, of taking what you have 
for as little money as possible and making it go as fast as possible. Yeah. There's jalopies, so, you know jalopies, what I mean? Yeah, yeah th- those dudes, they were doing that shit, but they didn't realize they were doing it. They were just, yeah. they just wanted fast calls. And but isn't there a soul in that though? Though oh, there's, way there's like way that. more soul. In I that. don't see. This is what got me out of the mini trucking thing. Then this will follow into that. So I mini trucked until the '90s, and I ended up with a '97 Dakota that was. It's on the cover of I don't quote the year exactly. I think it's August of '03 of a uh, Street Source magazine. You know, it's an internet magazine that was yeah. popular back then. I think it's still around. But anyway, I made the cover of that back then. And it was around that time I was just getting frustrated with everything because <clears throat> mini trucking and hot riding, like we said, started out from cheap as possible, doing all the same work you can, all the work you can yourself. Right. And then it became he who with the most money, you know. Yeah, it gets the, was the it gets biggest the man on the block, you know. Yeah. And he didn't do nothing but go buy the truck and drop it off here and drop it off there. I mean, I guess you're the designer. You designed it. You know, I give him that. It's yeah. Not that it's not cool, but. Well, it's not an yeah, equal. Yeah, yeah. It's also not. A, don't come to the car show and talk shit about my truck. Right. You know, because I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money to do. I mean, I, I like I didn't have the money to do. That's when the 20s and shit was all just coming, getting popular. You know what I'm saying? 17s was big, really and truly, you know. But we're going into, like I said, about to go a few years further, so like 99, 2000 wides is when I was really building my little Dakota that come out night, you know, bag, body drop, interior, the whole nine yards. It was clean, but it wasn't no high dollar build. You know, right. it was clean enough to make it cover. Yeah. So you get, like, once I build it and they still want to come, they roll up with the big 20 inch billets. Well, I mean, I had boys, I had 17 inch boys, but you always get questions about it. And I just, you know, I'm the type of person that I, I, I'm around the cars because. I like to be around a car. I'm not going to a car show to go stand in front of my car with my chest out going, look what I did. I did this. I did this. I did this. Even though I did do it. Yeah. I usually pull up. I make some kind of scene coming in. I was, I was known for dragging my shit. You pull into the show, <laughs> boom, All the let way. the air out whenever you like, you know, they come around with a little registration card and just never pick it back up again. I'd go all the way around <laughs> and close the truck up and walk away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, my truck was primer forever. Two years, painted it, and the first time out painted. Oh yeah, but you ain't gonna drag it now. You ain't gonna drag it now. Yeah, Pop. right, man. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. that it's that it's that kind of culture. You know, like with each culture, there's like these little things that everyone kind of does together. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Isaiah might remember this reflector collector. You know, like you going down the street, swapping up, like you scraping right out of the reflectors and, and oh, tearing yeah. them up. Yep, it's yep. kind of like, and of course, it's extremely illegal and very careless and reckless and stupid because we're that's our tax dollars we're spending. That's but why we did it. That's why I did it though. <laughs> you did it to be that that idiot type right. of guy, that silly dude. Actually, at 18, I had that first apartment. You know, two other dudes, roommates. And uh, yeah, we I, I had like just put them on the dresser that and rocks. You catch a big rock, you know what I mean? Somebody hit a curb, it'd be a chunk of concrete or something like that. Get stuck yeah. under the truck, <laughs> you know, dragging it all the way home. You'd save it, put it by the garage. Or, yeah, you know, we had reflectors stacked up. Well, did you bench. ever have to go back underneath there and reinforce anything after oh, just yeah, tearing yeah, stuff yeah. up? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of transmission cross members that <laughs> luckily caught them when we caught them. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that came that again. That was when you get into the later, the later nineties is when everything. It was cool because it got at the height of mini trucking. Yeah. But it that's when it started like anything. That's when it it started falling downhill, you know, because you started getting. It just started. What's it gets the commercialized? But it what's the what, you can't, you, what's the trend right now though? I don't. Is there anything sticking? The bike thing's over. You know, I mean, I kind of I kind of got back to doing the bike thing. I, I had that big bike influence from when I was a young kid. You know. I had a big bike influence in my life. My dad, 
and my uncle and uh you know mr jerry luke used to come out of the house and all they used to go ride when my dad went offshore so i had that big but i got into the mini shark and things and then after that after i was like man screw these guys you know i, I ain't about all this big money where this scene's going yeah and you know it's growing pains to a few different things i moved back to new orleans you know, I got back into the bike scene, you know, and I dove into that just like everything I do. I dive into it freaking head first, you know. Yeah, and just go right in. Um, but, so that was the thing for, you know, but even that now, I mean, it's cool because I'm glad I was right. Because back then, if you go back to like just before Katrina, 2004, 2005, and they were selling all them big, ugly ass 300 rear tire long yeah. choppers, you know, because they were all trying to build something like Jesse did. Yeah, but they just wasn't doing it proportion right. Well, the thing, and but then they th were mass producing them too. Well, and so. the thing is, Jesse was a pioneer of a lot of that stuff. Right, right. So when people try to replicate a pioneer, they, well, Jesse was he, so fast. Je though, Jesse so James fast. was, in my opinion, Jesse James is a superior craftsman that just took everything that was around him and brought it to the mainstream by accident. Yeah, it was really by total accident because he pulled from so many different types of bike culture that was going on in California that he grew up yeah. around. Yeah, and in a sense, created his own style. But he didn't really create his own style. He just used what was around him, and that's what brought it to the masses. It's kind of what he, he said. He had a good eye. To, you know, I mean, he had the right eye of what yeah. was cool, and he did what was cool and what was what awesome. He, what he always says is you know, he's had good influence in his life. Yeah, well, yeah. Besides, you know, his, he's got family issues, but he was, you know, uh, Von Dutch and Indian Larry and Ed right. Roth and all those iconic guys. They're from that same area mm -hmm. where he was trying to pioneer his brand. And then he said after the Discovery Channel, he kind of had a similar story like what you had. It's too many guys flashing that money, flashing mm -hmm. that big bucks, flashing that TV screen. Hey, man, say this. Don't say that. Do this. Don't do that. And uh, I think when he got out of there, if you noticed that his mind and his expansion of his imagination started spanning over wide. Now he's making firearms. Mm -hmm. Now he's making culinary knives mm -hmm. that are unreal. Mm -hmm. Super expensive, too. But, like, that's – he's a big believer in craftsmanship. Yeah, yeah, and so he, well, but he had that show on that internet show where he went around. Yeah, and I think he did something with PBS too. He went to the woodworker that was not far from him in Austin. And, and then he go to Israel. Yeah, he the went blacksmith. That, that was the blacksmith. That was the first episode. Yeah, what was it? Second yeah. episode was a woodworking guy that was out of Austin that was close to him and dude did some badass woodwork. Yeah, but that's so nice. Like that's so cool to see him actually live that lifestyle, but also like let other people know, hey, man, this stuff still exists. Because mm -hmm. that's something, uh, and Isaiah kind of made a joke about this artificial intelligence stuff, scanning our faces and stuff like that. That's a big fear for, uh, fear for AI, is that AI is going to take a lot of our everyday worker oh, things. Like it out, out, has, it, yeah. well, it has, because if you go to Walmart, the cat self-checkout thing, uh, one guy tells me, if anyone asks him if they need help, he says no, he, or want to use it, he says, no, I don't work here. Mm -hmm. That's his excuse for, right. for not feeding that fire. But Jesse but Jesse is is similar in that aspect of like, hey, you know, if you learn this trade eventually, look how much welders are making now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you would put welder back in the 30s. Well, I mean, that's I mean, like going back to like my dad, that's the perfect, that's a perfect example of, Something that has always been like welding, because I mean I've had a few, I've heard that a lot lately about welders and all, and it's because they're in more in demand because there's less people doing it. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. But like my da my dad was my dad dropped out roughly speaking sixth seventh grade. You know what I mean? That was the highest of his education. Oh, wow. But he he went into the shipyard. He ended up becoming a welder, and I mean he made it. We we did good in the '80s. You know what I mean? I grew up in the '80s. We were doing yeah. good. My dad was going offshore. He was doing what he wanted. He could walk off a job if he wanted to because he could always work and go somewhere else. He had no education. You know yeah. what I mean? My uncle did the same thing. He was just a boat captain. That was the only difference. But those times are different now. You can't just do like what they did. 
yeah. and just say fucking go get a job. Yeah. You know, now you got to go through all this. All <laughs> these red. All this you gotta red. Go through all this other shit. All this red. <laughs> <laughs> all this red tape. And, well, which what I, I know that's good because you wouldn't have none of this kind of stuff. But I was so anti-computer and stuff for the longest But those time. hands-on jobs are paying as much as those eight-year degree jobs are now. No doubt about it. Because there's not many people wanting to do it. There's nobody out there. Hardly. These kids nowadays. Look, we go, if, you got, if you got the South, though, there's like a red line you can draw from South and down. But those, it's it, do you think it's going to last longer down here, hands-on stuff? Oh, no doubt about it, yeah, yeah. This is where the holdout will be for sure. But why do you think Texas, that? It, Louisiana, it's... Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. Why? Because. Uh, well, well let, let's talk no, about. No, no, I shouldn't say just in the, in the Midwest. That's some hard-nosed, hard-working people too. Anywhere where there's more blue-collar, hard-working people, it's gonna it's gonna hold out there the longest. Yeah. Your big cities yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Point. That's going idiocracy first. That's already. You know, we yeah. already on them. Them big cities are already on the opening credits of idiocracy already. That's where they at right now. Man, and all it takes is one major cyborg or like sciencey electronic terrorist attack, and then we, man, it'd be so it, everyone would be screwed up. So you're talking about your your uh, your life growing up and stuff like that when you grew up, and then you you're how old are you? Forty one. Forty one. But you never <coughs> got social media ever. Never, never, never got social media other than YouTube. You know, I mean, I yeah. YouTube, but like I, I, I don't even sign in on YouTube. You know, YouTube to me I is. I do YouTube on my TV since I got the small oh, TV. Yeah. yeah, I go, I do it on. I've the been TV. doing that a lot lately. On my phone, if I'm somewhere, you know, I do yeah. it on my phone on my little, my little iPad. Mm -hmm. But I mainly, like, I mean, I, I, I have an iPad. My cell phone, really and truly, I could have a flip phone. The really only reason I got an iPhone is because I do take a lot of pictures of my projects, things that I take apart before I take apart. You know, I love that part about it right. and everything. But as far as the Internet portion of what them iPhones and shit can do, I don't use it for none of that. I mean, the iPhone's useless to me because even when I go on eBay and stuff, I go to my iPad. And I got the mini iPad, you yeah. know. Do you just, like, you just kind of, like, didn't want to jump that way or you? Well, I mean, it was different reasons. The, 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 the. The first reason why I didn't get Facebook was um, I just – and this sounds worse than what it really is, but it is what it is. Uh, I just had people out there I didn't want to find me. Yeah. I just had people I didn't want to find me straight up. Yeah. You know? and, and like I said, it's not as bad as what that sounds, but it, that's what that's what it was originally. And then I got to the point where I don't care about that no more. You know, like, okay, well, I was childish, and I'm not worried about those people anymore. You know? Right, yeah. Uh. But then what came along with that is I went through my kind of some bitter years there. You know, the past, not so much this past year, but prior to that, the 10 years before that were kind of the darkest portions of, of so far in my life, you know, mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. And uh, so part of my attitude had that influence on it, but mostly because I just believe in taking care of yourself and not envying nobody else. And I oh. see everybody. It's just like a false reality to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And That's I exactly seen, what it is. Since I didn't get into it right away, I had all these friends that ended up getting into it. And they tell me, all oh, right, you need a Facebook. You need to get a Facebook. You need to get a Facebook. And this is even before you got, you know, before we started doing the racing thing. Because y'all actually got me close to getting one to be able to keep up with going to the races and going to the, the, the car shows and, and all that. Yeah. So that's the only reason I've almost got one. But what, I, what I'm talking about now is the reason what keeps me from getting one. And it's that I, I believe – I don't think it's good, especially for kids. I don't have kids, and people don't like me talking about kids because I don't have kids, but I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, I'm looking at it like you, now you're bringing kids up on Facebook 
So the, you can make you can make a kid believe anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You, you can make a kid believe a turd is a tootsie roll. Right. And as long as his mom, his dad, and his grandma's, he's going to go to school going, my tootsie <laughs> yeah. roll. Seriously. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, look, you got these motherfuckers believing in Santa Claus till they 10 years old. And since they were seven, you know, there was some kid at school that was like, you know, Santa Claus yeah, Santa ain't real. Yeah, yeah, Santa yeah. ain't real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. How the motherfucker come down the chimney, dumbass? But they still yeah. going, Santa Claus is real. Santa yeah. Claus is real. Okay, so take that thought process. And now you bring you bringing kids into these people are, for the most part, not everybody, for the most part, people are so damn phony. It's a tool for the fake and phony. And yeah. I don't like that. So now you got kids only seeing this fake and phony bullshit. Right. And they have no sense of reality. Well, no wonder they're depressed by the time they're 18 years old and, and this and that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Other stuff than that. You know what I mean? Text that to her and tell her out. In a, in a few minutes. I'm so sorry. if if uh, it's in a movie deal. So uh, I had the same theory. What at what age are you, or what mental state are you mature enough in order to discern the fake from the real? And I think that Facebook creates this perfect image that you don't even know what is and what isn't anymore. No, and right, that's right. that's like that's like my thing. We you know um, some people don't won't wouldn't I don't know. Some people would say this. Some people wouldn't. I don't post pictures when I'm dressed my best, but I don't also like flaunt when I like I let, let's say for instance we go somewhere really really nice, you know everyone wants to check in, po- take that picture, post that thing or whatever, and I tried my best to stay away from it. But I you know whenever I first started when I got my driver's license and stuff I was doing it all the time. I was so worried about letting people know where I was, what I was doing, how active I am, what I'm doing, when I'm finishing this. I started this, this is doing that. And I, it, was, it was robbing me of all that joy. You actually get mm-hmm. out of doing the things mm-hmm. because you're watching it through a screen instead of through your eyeballs mm-hmm. and enjoying it with the people with you and next to you and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'm not so much – it did it to me. It kind of said, hey, man, come mm-hmm. this way. You know, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. The de- devil opened that door and said, man, I got some free candy. You know that, what, But if, if a kid – has it though? What do you think that does to that kid whenever he's entered or he or she is introduced into the the real world? Do you think I, I that think it allows be him disappointed? They're gonna be disappointed. It's gonna make them feel like a loser, bro. Because yeah. they because all this whole time they've been seeing they've been seeing all this shit on Facebook with these 16, 17 year old kids and they jacked up jeeps with their side by sides and shit mud and all. And you don't know the whole backstory on the truck and the side by side and the, and all of that. And them kids, mine, that 16 year old kids got a big jacked up truck with stupid looking billet wheels. And yeah, he can't a, wait a, to a be razor 16. that can't go through the mud because you know what I mean? It's got yeah. too many lights and stereo system on it or whatever. And they, but they think they really got all that shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they think that they're it's tangible. They think that they you can actually get it themselves. No, it's it's whatever. It's the, mm. A lot of the times, it's the, it's the kids' parents, or it's you know a lot of these younger dudes, especially where we from over there. They go to work in these plants when they're young. You know, yeah, they, they go do. in the plants yeah. at like eighteen years old. By twenty, they're making big money. By twenty-five, they got a house. They rolling. They got all the cars. By twenty-eight, thirty, they lose the job. By thirty-five, they on they banging heroin. They ain't got nothing no more. Yeah. I've seen it happen a bunch of times. That's true. Yeah, I got so a lot. Of, I, I got a lot I of buddies that do that. A little bit of victim, somewhat. Not not like that, but and me and me and, me and your dad's talked about this a lot. About almost like when uh, you start off younger working, and if you find your glitch early, like we did, you know. I mean, I started working in body shops at seventeen slash eighteen, or started working around call at seventeen, eighteen. You know, yeah. body shops nineteen. I was certified body man by twenty, mm-hmm. you know, twenty years old. So. 
I mean, I was making grown man money at 20, 21 years old. You know, it, it, it's good, but it's almost bad in a way because it comes too easy too quick. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've appreciated that in my life. I appreciated struggling, making $7.50 an hour, building those crab boats for to almost a year, you know, and then only working my way up to where I am now. And for mm-hmm. the past three years, I've been self-employed, and I really get it now because mm-hmm. I only make money if I go and find mm-hmm. it. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't clock I don't clock in, so I can't punch a yeah, clock right. or nothing, you know. And that body man working those billable hours, it's the same that, thing. That's what catch me. That's what kept me on check was that we we are on commission, you know, doing right. the body work is commission, you know. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of them dudes they get in the plants and uh, you know, us at this all body shop, show we up. working. Yeah. yeah, they get in the plants and that's all they got to do is show up. So a lot of dudes, up. man, they sit there and look at valves and turn some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they walk around as inspectors. I got a I'm buddy. Not saying everybody in the plants don't work hard. It's well, I got a buddy who's an who does an instrument operator or whatever. He says I. I said, what does that mean? He goes, I look at gauges all yeah, day. Yeah, that's a lot of them do that. Just simple shit like yeah. that. They don't do much. Yeah, you know, but they all do it for that money, man. But I give them, I do give them props on being able to stay that long, dude. They work long oh, ass hours. I don't Unbelievable know. hours, dude. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't work that kind of long. because I'm that type of person too. I guess it's because I'm a free spirit. But you know, whatever. I, friends and over the past and different things like that to work them kind of jobs you know yeah i'm on a turnaround working seven days a week uh, making all the money i'm like yeah if you ain't got time to enjoy yourself right yeah like oh man but i'm gonna be able to enjoy it on the back end when i retire well ain't no guarantee you're gonna make it to retire why do you want to have a good time when you're old i don't get come it. on man i don't get it um, we're, i mean i mean we're i mean I, I consider myself a baby still why do i want to work so hard when my body is its most capable it will ever be mm-hmm. and just to enjoy it when my body is as least capable of, as when it will ever be. Right. That's not something I want to do. I ain't about all that. Yeah. Speaking of uh, uh, body injuries, I got some, but you got uh, you got a couple of crazy ones. Tell, so, tell us, uh, uh, how's your recovery coming from the accident? Is it is Do you do you feel like you can't get back to 100%? Are you like 80%? What? I mean, yeah, you tell us about it first because that, that – I don't know. I might throw up if you tell me. Again. Well, uh, <laughs> all right. I'll just start from where where it started at. I'll start the whole story from from the Thursday before it happened. So <laughs> we're going, <laughs> we're going. Me, I think it was just the three of us. Me, Shane, and Isaiah, and we're gonna go to the. Uh, I don't know which was one of the mini bike races. Oh, it was. Which one was it? Oh, riot, riot. Yeah, the riot, the Texas Hot Rod Riot. Yep, yeah. we were going to that. So, being again on commission, body man, you know, I planned out in the week, worked myself in the week to where I could take off the earliest on Thursday to get because I was driving and we were taking my trail mm-hmm. yeah. and my mini bikes. Well, little Mikey was going with us, so I take off. I go to the gro- I get groceries. When I got groceries, I got I got a handle of a I'm sorry, a fifth of a Fireball, and I got an 18 pack of PBR. That was my alcohol that I was bringing. That was just the alcohol that I was planning on bringing on the trip. And I, so I took off of work at 12. I went and did that. I go home. I had a little bit of fiddling to do with the bikes. I load everything up. As I'm doing that, I crack the 18-pack. I'm like, fuck it. I'll get Lone Star. We're going to Texas. I yeah. drink Lone Star <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I start drinking my beer, you know, and I start taking shots. In between, every time I go get a new beer, I was taking a shot, you know. Shit, I'm ahead of the game. We're doing good. We're not leaving until 6 in the morning. Well, little Mikey calls panicking because I told him I was going to come pick him up. We're going to load his bike up tonight or something like, oh, man, I ain't going to go. I ain't going to go. My bike ain't ready. He was just freaking out. Joe's on the way over here. We're going to see if we can finish it. All right, I'm on my way. 
Well, the truck was loaded up, hooked up to the trailer. So I'm on, Mikey's only two miles down the road, you know, literally two miles down the road. Yeah. And uh, so I, I jump on the bike and I go, I go over there. Well, the bike turned out not to be as bad. You know, little Mikey, just a little panicking, you know, whatever. We did, he did what he had to do. Drank some more while we were there. We got it done. Me and Joe ended up getting so drunk, we argued at one point, And then, you know, it was like, oh, I was stupid, whatever. I get on the bike and head home. I got halfway home and straightened the curve out is all it did. I mean, it came yeah. around, you know, it was a sweeping curve. There was a stop sign just before that. I don't think I even made it to fourth gear. I mean, I was probably coming out of third, going into fourth, roughly speaking, as I straightened the curve out. Uh so don't what, know exactly what, the particulars, but the way you could see everything went down, yeah. it went it slid out from under me. My leg, my left leg, got caught up under the peg and everything, and then got caught under the primary of the bike. We slammed, and then the bike went over, end over end. It flung me back into the road, and it flung the bike out into a, it looks like a little cattle field right there. Is what happened to us. I got flung one way, it got flung the other. But my leg got broke when it, that initial, wow, it just slammed and then high-sided me. So that's what happened. So then the, there's a neighbor guy. I found this out the, the next day. The, the neighbor that was right there let me leave my bike there. So the next day, my brother went and picked my bike up. So this is how I found out this portion of the story. So the, this neighbor guy lives three blocks from the corner where I told you I stopped at the stop sign. Yeah. My bike's louder. So he said he heard the bike take off, and he said he heard it suddenly stop. And it surprised him because he hears the bikes take off from there. It's a bike, a route, kind of, if you want to say that. You know, backcountry roads, you know. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of bikes go through there. So he's like, I hear them all. And he said, but it just suddenly stopped. It surprised me. So he thought it broke down. So he walked. You know, this is like uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So he walks out to his door, expecting to see, he's, in his words, expecting to see a guy pushing his motorcycle down the road. He thought a motorcycle quit on somebody, you know. Yeah. And he was going to tell the guy, hey, I'm up. You can push it in my driveway, whatever. And he said he didn't see nothing. Then there was headlights from a car coming, and he could see through the headlights. I was laying, like, at the foot of his driveway in the middle of the road, bleeding, bleeding out. Oh, what? Yeah, you know, I, I was out at that point. But I came to pretty quick. They didn't even realize how drunk I was. They didn't even know I was drunk. They just thought I was in shock. I tried to get up at one point, and then I realized just how bad my leg was. Oh, like it wasn't there, though, like almost, right? The back, the back portion of my calf muscle, yeah. only the back in the skin that was all that was connected everything three quarters of the way through my leg was cut in half was it the muscle bike, bone was it the bike that it crushed it so the, it, it almost like the pressure mm -hmm. oh wow just totally wasn't even no sharp edges nothing just the pressure just from the that pressure bike. of the bike yep. oh man because we went down the way i went down and like i said the way the foot peg is my yeah. when the bike went down my leg got jammed under the foot peg so instead of my foot going like instead of when we were going my foot coming out behind me like that and just like sliding behind when yeah. the bike went down so fast because you know you sit on the Harley, my it's not I don't have jockey pegs I don't have very forward controls either. Oh, I've been, but on I don't that. have yeah. jockey pegs. You know, yeah. so my feet are forward in front of me. Yeah. So when it went down, my foot got caught under the bike that way. I think if I'd have had jockeys or if you was on like a dirt bike, you know, your foot kind of yeah put your leg down and it kind of comes out from behind. Well, you. those are a little bit lighter too. You kind of push them away yeah. almost. Just Yours. like I said, mine begins to my seating position when it went down. My leg that leg just rolled right up under the bike. How long were you set up for? I straight three months. Three months. Two and a half. What did that do to you mentally? Well, other than, other than, um, the, <laughs> the next day after, uh, so I got, I, I had to, I got in a wreck. All right, let me go back to where I was at. So the, the neighbor and all is out there and, and the paramedics come. It's Katie and Ambulance. And the guy, this is, I'm, I'm pretty good by this time, you know, realizing what's going on anyway. And, um. I don't feel no pain or nothing. You know, I realize, I realize how bad it was, you know, 
uh, but I had jeans on, so I couldn't see it actually. You know what I mean? But I felt it enough to know I could feel how bad it was. I mean, there was blood everywhere. I was bleeding bad. So uh, the paramedics come, Caden and Lance. I can't remember the dude's name. It's a shame on me. Saved my life. But it's my sister-in-law's ex-partner. I got a sister-in-law that works for Caden and Amway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so <laughs> so he comes up. He texts my name, Ryan Bell. He's like, Bill Yacht. You know Sandy Bill Yacht? You know Ashley Bill Yacht? I was like, yeah, that's my brother and my sister-in-law. And he's like, Ashley's my ex-partner. And the way I remember it anyway, his next question was, uh, he said, Ryan, you been drinking tonight? And I said, yeah, dude, I drank a lot. And he was like, all right, I'm going to hurry and get you in the ambulance before the cops get here. Like, all right, cool. So he stuck me up in there. So yeah. I didn't get no DUI, I didn't get no saved, tickets, I didn't get nothing. He saved that part of you. The next part I remember is when that's when he starts cutting my pants. And he said, man, I'm going to cut your boots off. And I had my red wings on. And I, I remember purposely saying this to try to make a light mood out of it. I said, uh, I said uh, oh, man, don't cut my red wings, man. That's my good boots, man. That's my $200 boots. You know, like, and uh, whoever this was over here, I couldn't see him. I was starting to get tonal vision. I don't know if it was another paramedic or, or a cop maybe or a neighbor. I'm assuming it's another paramedic, probably. But whoever that was said, "Oh, dude, I don't think you're gonna need that boot anymore, anyway." You know, because if you see my leg, that was at that at point. This that point was no you, at this point, at this point, did you see your leg? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in the ambulance, when you're laying there and you're looking down, it looks gnarly. But I mean, it wasn't like I was being able to sit up and look straight and go, you know. But yeah, I was so able to look down kinda, enough and yeah. tell that it was bone and meat and flesh torn and. Not pointing in the right direction, and yeah. I mean, well, when I was laying on the ground, my leg was all the way like this. When I was laying in the street waiting for the – I was conversating with the two neighbors. The other neighbor came out by this time. I was. I tried to stand up at one point. They were like, no, 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 dude. And that's when I started, like, feeling on it. I realized when they said, no, don't get up, I didn't even realize the sole of my boot was facing me. Because uh. I tried to get up and I scooted, and when I tried to get up and scoot, my, my, my boot just went – Oh my <laughs> goodness! <was> cool. <laughs> How, so, oh man! Cool. And that's when I was like, "Ooh!" I even said, "I said it's gonna be the fifth one." I, even, I looked up at the dudes. I said, "Ooh, yeah, I fucked up this time, huh?" Oh, and they were man. like, "Yeah, dude, stay down." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, stay down, stay down. <laughs> what happened the next? That wasn't the first wreck. What, what, I, I actually had put my bike in the ditch like two months before that. But so. what happened? Like, what happened after that? How'd you have? How'd you have a mentality of like, like getting back from that? getting back from that yeah like you look at your leg actually, your actually, legs, you, you look- know mo- most people would say look at something like that and be like that was bad dude i was like i, I look at that as the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah. right before that i was in a dark ass place people don't even know the dark place i was at yeah. and, and tiffany was fixing to leave me i already knew that at that point we it was almost like a mutual thing we were just kind of hanging out until she got done with a school thing you know not 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 like 100 percent committed to that but i think we both knew that it was probably going to end up that way you know what i mean it saved yeah. my marriage. Say damn sure, save my marriage. That's, so that tragedy, sure. that that tragedy saved you. Yeah. And see, wow. I got you know, I got I got some friends. I, I, I'm friends with everybody, man. All kinds of people. You know what I mean? A lot of people think that I'm, which I am. I mean, I'm an asshole. You know, I am. I admit that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but a lot of think people think I'm just this hard ass asshole racist person, and I'm really not. You know, I'm really not at all. But I, I got all kind of friends. I got some art friends, New Orleans, really, really liberal art friends in New Orleans and stuff, and it blows their mind because they get down there and I can conversate with them. We hang out, Maple Leaf in New Orleans and shit, some people that hang out places like that and all, you know. And uh, it blows their mind that, uh, like, I don't agree with them on, like, all the healthcare stuff and all. And they go, man, here you are, you sitting here with a broke leg because I'm, I'm paying my, my bill, you know. I mean, I, I paid what I could cash. Luckily, I had a couple bucks saved. I was paid what I could cash, and the rest of it, I made a deal with the hospital, and they dropped it down to like twenty six thousand dollars. That's so the remaining amount from wow. like originally like seventy eight grand. I paid what I could, and they dropped the remaining amount. 
which I only paid like like five thousand cash out of my pocket, you know, what I could, and the rest of it they wrote down to like twenty six thousand. And people are still they still go, oh man, don't I don't pay that, don't pay that. And I'm like, well, no. For one thing, I got decent credit. You know, I got pretty good credit. It's not the best, but I mean, I got good credit. And I don't want to hurt my credit at this point over twenty six thousand yeah. dollars when I can just the, the lady literally sitting there telling me I'm putting you on a hundred dollars a month program, but as long as you send five dollars a month in, you'll be fine. Well, why would I hurt my credit over that? And more importantly, why would I put that on the taxpayers? Yeah. Why would I put my mistake on the taxpayers? It was my yeah. mistake. I was drunk. Getting back to my story, after I uh after I went to the hospital, they did the surgery, they put a rod in my leg. I woke up the next morning in the hospital. And, of course, to me, typical fashion, I'm blowing it off. They, I'm telling everybody I'm going to be back to work in three weeks, you know. Everybody's calling, coming up to the hospital. Ain't no big deal. I called him first. I, fa- I FaceTimed him. First time I ever FaceTimed anybody yeah. was you in the hospital. First time I ever did that. And wow. I, face, I FaceTimed I can't even see out of one eye. It's all it's crazy looking. And, I, and my beard was the longest ever. I mean, my beard was huge. I remember, when you, had, I remember when you had that long beard. I remember saying something about I finally got my stripes or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because, I mean, you got to realize a, a person like me, I'm not saying this is right, wrong. I'm not saying it macho. It's just the, not right in the head sometimes. I, I've always known something like that was going to happen. You know what I mean? And, 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 and especially in that moment in my life, I hoped that I died when it happened. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy when people say that. Well, it's, it, it's not it, that yeah. I was – I wasn't suicidal and I wouldn't – I wasn't, it's just, I was, I just didn't, I don't care, you know what I mean? I just didn't, got to where I didn't care whether I did live or die. And the drinking and riding and partying and all was more important. Yeah. So I didn't care for that. I felt like, well, what's the difference? I don't have no kids. I know there's there's no mom and dads. There's no grandmas at Christmas or nothing like that. Most of my Christmas, and I'm not, this is, I prefer, I I, I want it to be this way. It's not because I don't have places to go, trust me. But most of my Christmas Thanksgivings, I spend at home by myself because my wife gets paid double time and she works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice. But, uh, you know, so I don't want that to sound like I ain't got places to go. Well, that's your lifestyle. That's my lifestyle. That's what I choose. That's what I prefer, you know. But, uh. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't remember exactly where I was going with that. Well, you were telling me how how, how you kind of jump jump back into a new place in your life after that happened. Yeah, that's so interesting. I just had a conversation with a guy who's playing at this hotel in Baton Rouge, and he's a musician, and he just quit his job to go full time. He has two gigs a day. He works from Wednesday to mm, Sunday, two gigs a day, and on weekends if he can get in a third, he does. And he was telling me about that. He was telling me how he learned. And, you know, I learned a lot through our tragedies that our family went through. You know, when Luke passed away after that, I think we all kind of had like these make or break moments where like this is either going to gonna drag you down or you can leave that negative impact mm-hmm. behind you and only mm-hmm. carry the positive forward. The, the, the negative is so easy to go that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why everybody goes that direction because the negative's easy. And it's almost alluring, though, don't you think, too? Mm -hmm. It's almost like, hey, this is so much better to be over here. Less work, less effort, not as much hardship. You know, you just give in. You know, just, yeah, just drink yourself drunk every night. Just, uh, just, you know, stone yourself every single moment of every single day. Don't worry about it. Talk bad about these people. You know, sulk in it. 
and I I can't sulk in that kind of stuff. I can't sulk yeah. in negativity, man. I can't mm-hmm. be a I can't be around somebody who constantly complains. Right. I'm I'm starting to get vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to say mm-hmm. like, dude, would you just shut up? Right. Shut yeah. your mouth. Freaking do whatever it is you have to do to fix your life because you're bringing me down, man. And I want to be around you right now. That's one thing I hate working in the body shops, dude. And, and I mean, I think I went through a point in my life. I bunch know, of I, whiny I was babies, like, man. You should buy some babies, dude. Bunch of babies God. in the body shops. So much man. talented guys, man. It's like, dude, you're talented and you know. You're doing what you're doing, man. Just shut up and do your work. But dude, there's some there's babies, so man. many babies in there. And there's so many. I say there's people in the world that there's just, I guess, like you say, negative negativity is easy, so they do it. But they just complain about everything. Yeah. And they they complain about complain about how cold it is in the winter. The first day that it's hot, they're going to talk about bitch. It's hot today. You're it's almost like because it was 32 degrees. It's like, almost like they need something to put in their mouths to to talk because they're not into. Most of those guys aren't intellectuals either. They don't really know. Like, they can't have a conversation with... Uh, I tried having a conversation about a guy with, about uh, global warming. We were talking about global warming. He's like, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of make-believe. I'm like, in certain parts of the world, global warming is not make-believe. They can't walk across a street without their shoes melting. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, uh, I guess I guess so. I'm like, I'm talking to like a like a wind-up dog. He's giving me like yeah, the right. same stuff over and over. I'm like, right. I, can't, I can't believe that... I know I get frustrated. I'm just getting frustrated talk, right now. They, they only talk about I, what they hear. You know what I'm saying? That's they all only they, do. they just puppet. I call them kind of people, and and, and you know they're not all bad people. I'm not saying that. And and like I said, different times, and I've probably been accused of maybe being one of these, but usually it's because I was fucked up or something. But <laughs> but uh, no, I call them the parrots, man. They, they parrots because they can only yeah. repeat what they hear. Yeah, uh, they just parrots. You don't watch the news, but you know, you like watch, I say, parrots watch... are cool to look at. They're cool to hang out with every now and then. But just know that it, it's a parrot. That's all. Don't let it aggravate yeah. you because it's a parrot. It's not very intelligent. And that's it can what only I have repeat to. What it hears. I have to remind myself that because I keep feeling like like they're poking me. Yeah, and, yeah, but they're, they're not, not even. They're... They could be having a conversation at another table, yeah. and I can hear it. And I'm like, oh, y'all are just. I can't sit right. But I I do let it get to me. I try not to react about it. You know, which I think are two different things. You yeah. can get annoyed, but always reacting is not always a positive thing, anyway. Yeah, right. Uh, either, you know. What is it? They, you know, the um. I don't know. I was gonna say that. Whatever. I don't know. I just remembered what part of the story I was at again. Oh, that part. <laughs> that's how my brain works. <laughs> for, for the podcast, for you people <laughs> that don't know me, that's how my brain works. No. Well, uh, so because this will tie in. You, when we listen back to it, it'll all tie in. So. The moral of that whole story, telling you about my my leg getting broke, I did all of that shit that night, all the way up to the point of talking to them paramedics, clearly to the point of them not even realizing that I was drunk and all, because drinking that much came so calm. I mean, came so naturally to me at that point. Mm-hmm. So after my surgery, I get out the next day, and uh, the the first day that Tiffany went to work after my surgery, I think was two days later, I hobbled down the stairs because she would have killed me if she would have known, and uh. I still don't think she knows she will she hears, but uh, <laughs> she I hobbled down the stairs. I still have my full cast on. I hobbled down my stairs because I was going to get a beer. I was like, fuck, I'm going to get a beer. I don't care. It was like three days after my surgery, dude. Wow. Like, I'm going to get a beer. And I hobbled down the step. We did, sat on my ass and went out the trailer one step at a time, got on my cartridge, went out to my shop, opened it up because I knew that 18-pack was in there from the, from three days before, you know, two days before, whatever. I knew that 18-pack and that – and that fireball was in there. Wow. And I opened that refrigerator, bro. I looked in there, and uh, there was like four PBRs left, and half of that fifth of fireball was gone. That's what I drank before I got on my bike 
and went to Mikey's. And we, we did more shots and drank more beer at Mikey's. Jeez. That's the point that I got to. <sighs> I, was, I was over. I don't remember the exact. My brother remembers it the best. But it, I forget what it was. But I was like 3.8 something or some shit like that. Wow. Wow. So you, you could have even possibly still been like, were you drunk when you woke up? Wow. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's why I didn't feel nothing. When all the neighbors came out and the paramedics and all was there and they couldn't tell, yeah. it's because I was, you're talking about a seasoned alcoholic that was in his zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my leg was broken half, but. <laughs> well, what kind of, what kind of, uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of mentality did you have after that? Did it, did it change? Did it, was it like a, was I mean, it like, like a shock? S- it was like a reality shock. Reality check no type of thing? It. I thought, dude, I thought I drank like four beers and took two shots and got on my bike and rode home. Is that what that does? Is that how most alcoholics maybe think? I only had a couple, you know. They had they buy these big 24-packs, 18-packs. I only had a few. I didn't have that much. And go back the next day and they realize the whole thing's drink. gone. Yep, yep. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Who counts? Yeah. And, and when you become a real when you come when you become a real beer drinker, a 12-ounce canned beer is your preferable beer. I mean, I know look, people are going to argue and they're going to say oh, I like long necks and I like it. Yeah. Beer drinker connoisseurs like long necks and stuff like that. I'm talking about drunk beer drinkers. Drunk ass beer drinkers like canned beer. 12-ounce canned beers. And for the most part, for a real beer drinker, that could be two goals. Hmm. I can finish a 12-ounce Comfortably, not shotgunning, not trying to. Two, that's not twelve ounce can be gone, especially if I'm like cutting grass. I get off the lawnmower, go to my shop. Two gone. Hmm. So when you become a real drinker, they go down so smooth, dude. You don't even realize. So yeah, that was a huge reality check for me. And I don't, I man. I still drink and all, but I don't drink half, quarter of what I used to. Well, all things in moderation, including moderation, though. Mm, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a Zig Ziglar saying. You working on any cool projects right now? I heard you talking about a truck earlier. No, 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 not too much with that truck. I won't say nothing about that yet. I can't divulge none of that. Oh, I'm okay. not working on it yet. That's a future. That's a coming up. A future endeavor. That's an old project that's coming up to be. Are back you able in. to? Are you um, able to do the shop thing like you used to? Like go out in the shop now and just no, spend no, no, hours no. and hours. No, no, back to my leg and shit. Like so, that was this past February fifth, made a year. Uh, I laid up three months, then I started back part-timing about five months later, four months later. I started part-timing at uh, Toulouse Street Rods, mm-hmm. just doing Bondo work, trying to stay off my leg, you know, but just standing there doing Bondo work. Then we went to Cruising the Coast. I did a big, little bigger job or whatever before Cruising the Coast. Went to Cruising the Coast and got back in my zone and was like, man, I'm going to go back full-time. Callcraft, they had a guy, body man quit. You know, I've worked on and off for Callcraft for like eight years now. So then you got a guy quit, they'll call me, kind of on reserve type thing, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I'm available, I'll come. So I jumped back in there full time. And then into December, my legs started burning like fire, man. I mean, it started swelling bad and shit. And uh, then I got insurance again, which didn't kick in until like mid-January. So so when that kicked in mid-January, I told my wife, yeah, make an appointment, something's going on. And then uh, roughly around that same time, it had done split back open. The, the womb actually busted back open. Whoa. And I started, I got From the saved. inside, though? Yeah, I'm get, what it was, it started spitting out shards of bone. They, roughly the size of like a grain of rice, maybe a little slimmer. But, you know, that, that length of a grain of rice started.